welcome to The Hive Podcast, a show that helps inspire you to pursue your passions and ambitions. My name is Jared Spink and I'm your host. I'm a photographer, videographer, and entrepreneur. Join me as I sit down with other entrepreneurs and creators to learn more about their process, how they've built communities around their brands, and the experiences they've had along the way. I hope that these conversations inspire you to pursue your goals. You're listening to The Hive Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Hive Podcast. Thanks for watching and listening each and every week. I really do appreciate it. Before we dive into the episode, quick little housekeeping announcement. After producing this podcast for over a year now, I finally launched a Buy Me a Coffee page. So the link will be down in the description of the video and the podcast. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can buy me a coffee or you can sign up for a, a membership. There's two options. One is just a basic reoccurring support of the podcast where you get access to a members only newsletter where I talk about the process of podcasting, gear reviews, gear that might help you along the way, answer questions that come in from you, the listeners, and a second membership that gives you more access to more behind the scenes, uh, a sneak peek of future guests, and we'll be also doing a live Q&A just for members. So go check it out. Link will be down in the description of the video and the podcast if you want to become a member and support the podcast. But enough said of that. Let's dive into the episode because we have a fantastic guest, as always, lined up for you guys. We've been talking a lot about drones off and on on this podcast. So I wanted to bring in a San Diego native who I'm super excited to chat with because I, too, am a San Diego native. So let's welcome Aldrin Estacio to the show. What's up, dude? What is going on, Jared? Thanks for having me on here. This is really cool. Yeah, yeah. I I'm, I was stoked to come across your content after having numerous uh, drone pilots, drone professionals, and creatives on the show, like 51 Drones, Original Dobo, Billy Kyle, all great guys. And I myself am a drone pilot. I do drone uh, work for real estate agents. I love drones. They're fantastic tools. And I just, I can never get over like, you know, seeing, <laughs> seeing the world from the air and, and, you know, getting that awesome drone footage into videos. It's so fantastic. But for the guests that don't know you, um, give us a quick rundown of, of who you are and, and what you do. I know you have a YouTube channel that's been around for a while and you're a professional drone pilot, but give us the quick uh, uh, rundown of what you do. Yeah. I mean, I've, the drone stuff came about, I say 2013, but I mean, before that I've been a forever designer. I mean, uh, I've been a designer since uh, pretty much my entire career. I started super like young, like most people just kind of did it like back in, you know, middle school, high school, but then it was one of those things that stuck with me. So in college, went to San Diego state, stayed local, uh, went and uh, graduated with graphic design uh, at San Diego state and then tried and attempted a master's degree over at the Academy of Art in San Francisco, which was at the time still probably one of the, the main ones if you wanted to extend your creative career. Uh, but uh, I wanted to go into broadcasting over there, but they didn't really have much of a broadcasting um, field yet. Uh, my, my goal, like when I was back in college, was to be someone like work for ILM or work for Pixar and do animated motion, you know, movie titling. So that was kind of like my ideal back then of where I wanted to be. Cause at that time, that's when DVDs started coming out. I was big on like buying DVDs and watching behind the scenes. So I'm gonna be, a, I'm a big like BTS nerd just because like, cool, but I want to see how you did it, you know? So 
yeah, I've been in the creative field my entire life. Then after doing design for a while, um, moved over into the, the standard progression of print design into web, into motion. Um, and then now working at a bunch of agencies, getting into, and photography has always kind of been part of it too. So, I mean, you know, like I said, I've just been in that creative space for so long and my entire life pretty much. And then I got net then for the past 10 years, been working as a user experience, user interface designer, uh, worked for a startup company that got acquired by a finance company. So I technically, uh, like I'm part of the technology portion of a finance company. Um, and then when Ariel drone came out back in 2013, uh, as far as more consumer style drones, which was the Phantom one, that was a time when, you know, the GoPro started put making a run and, and a portability was a big deal. And it just happened to be, I just ha- purchased a GoPro a few months, uh, like, I think, you know, a few months, uh, before getting my first drone. And then, you know, the whole thing was like, Hey, you can buy this, you know, DJI Phantom for 400 bucks during Thanksgiving. And you can, if you have an action camera, like a GoPro, you can strap it on. So I'm like, yeah, I just got a GoPro. Let's, let's buy the drone now. Then got the drone, put it up in the air and that was it done. Like, nice. you know, and you're talking 2013, you know, so you're, you're shooting blind. You just basically hit record, throw it up there. And then you come back home and you look at the footage, which is all, you know, like super jello, super wonky like, propellers yeah, in every shot. <laughs> oh my God. Every frame this is the worst, but you, you did something that no one was doing yeah. or could do. And that was it. It was enough to be hooked. You can, nice. you can fly it up 50 feet and you're just like, Whoa, that is so cool. Yeah, man. You, so you, you know, your stuff, you have, you've, you have an amazing creative background. You've went to school for it. I mean, you, you know, your stuff. So, um, what was initially, what, why drones initially in 2013? Was it just the fact that like, I have a GoPro and the Phantom one's on sale. I'm going to pick it up. Was that, was it really as easy as that? Like, it, that, I mean, that made you jump into it? For, as far as the aerial, yeah. As far as the aerial stuff. Yeah. I think anyone, once you fly for the very first time, and you realize that, wow, I just did that. It, it's very hard to, to replicate that. And, um, and, and until you do it, right. That's awesome. Like when people fly, just, you're just like, no way. It's like, I was able to do that and fly it out there and get that type of shot. Uh, but then even before I started getting into aerial stuff, I was big on photography in general, video, uh, in general, I, I did a bunch of, um, uh, video production. So I was part of the hip hop scene back in the late nineties. Uh, and I was, uh, the one who would produce, uh, every hip hop show DVD out there. So California was a big, was big in the late nineties, early two thousands, as far as the hip hop scene goes. So a lot of people don't know that, um, that, yeah, I was part of the dance community. I was a dancer. I, uh, and I would film a lot and I would shoot. And, uh, if you ever went to like schools in California in early two thousands, it was pretty much how the whole step up revolution, the whole America's best dance crew revolution. That's where it spawned from the people from the late nineties, early two thousands. I was lucky enough to be part of that and document that entire, that entire process of it happening. So, uh, I was, you know, and just like most people, when they get a camera, you know, I would, I would do like skate videos. I would do dance videos. I would do all those things. So then I took a break from it because it started changing from analog to digital and, I didn't know how to like transition properly over there because I had a bunch of like film cameras. I had a bunch of like Sony VX 1000, PD 150s, Canon GL, GH1s. I mean, these are like old school 
camera that shot tape. And if people don't know, like you had to real time capture stuff, like yeah. people don't get that these days. It's crazy. So, so uh, yeah, transition over what, what was what kind of made it easier, right? To, yeah, you just have do. this such a diverse creative background. So, um, real quick, so all our listeners, we'll catch them up to the to the plan of the episode. We're gonna dive in a little <laughs> bit into uh, your creative process and and YouTube and why you started a YouTube channel. But we're also going to talk about the business of being a creative and how, how as a drone pilot, other, I think yeah. a lot of people associate, Oh, you're a drone pilot. So you must make videos and like, sure. they, they just see the YouTube side, but we're going to dive into the business side too on being, being a professional drone pilot. But real quick, let's talk about the YouTube channel. Uh, you've been, when I looked at it, it looks like you've been posting videos off and on for like six years. So it's been around for, yeah. for a good amount of time. What made you, with this such a, such a diverse creative background, what made you want to start the channel and for it to be like one of the drone channels too? Like what what made you jump into that and decide to make the channel about drones? Uh, yeah, I mean that it was back in whenever I started. I, I don't even remember when the, the channel actually opened up. I think it was like yeah, 2014 or something like that. But that was it. Like you know, when I was getting into drones. I was like, okay, where, where do I go? Who do I talk to? Um, no, no one was doing it. No one's posting anything. And luckily enough, I, I had some connections with, um, with, you know, the major brands at the time, because of the fact that I would continuously try to connect with people that worked there. Like for instance, like DJI, I would continuously try to like message people. Uh, and you have to remember, this is still early social media. And um, there was not many people to reach out to. So it was kind of frustrating. And then, you know, at the time of YouTube back then, uh, it was never a business. I never thought of YouTube as a business back then. And I never really thought of YouTube as a business until about 2017. So all the videos I posted first, like back in 2014, 15, whatever it was, um, they were just for like, just like anyone else, just, just to put some information out there, talk about my experience with it. And it wasn't until about 2017 when I was, you know, watching a lot more YouTube and hearing stories about, you know, um, people making, you know, businesses, careers out of it. Uh, you know, that was a kind of, that, that kind of spawned the time of like when people were saying, I quit my nine to five and now I do YouTube full time. Like you hear a lot about that now, but I mean, that was happening back then. Yeah. And, um, and then it just said, okay, I don't believe it. Like no way. Right. How, how is that possible? And um, so I started like really diving into it and, and connecting with a lot of people that were in the YouTube space, understanding more about the strategy behind YouTube and then what it really meant to, to take it to another level than just casually posting random videos. I think that's the biggest thing is, is like anything, right? You, you treat it like a hobby. It'll, it'll treat you like a hobby. You treat it like a business. It'll kind of treat you like a business. Yeah. And 2017 was when I had 900 subscribers uh, in April. So it's kind of like an anniversary for me right now. This is, what is it? Five, four, five, four years, four years now, four years. So 900 subscribers in April of 2017 uh, is when I said, you know what? Like, let's, let's see if I'm going to listen to some of these people that were talking about ways to, to, engage your audience, build your audience and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So that's kind of when it started. That's awesome. And now, you know, four years later, 2021, yeah. April or May, you know, beginning of May when we're recording this, right. 
267,000 subscribers, yeah. which is just ridiculous. Did, did you ever think it was going to get like that? No way. <laughs> it's so many. No it's, way. it's fantastic. And like you set yourself apart uh, when it comes to like the drone community, because you, all your videos do have a purpose and it, they, you make videos that appeal to every, no matter where you're at, like in your journey of flying drones from beginners who are looking to purchase their very first consumer drone to professionals. So I think definitely your channel succeeded because of that wide demographic and the purpose of each video is very clear, very easy to watch. I love it. It's great. Um, So let's talk about now what I really, I think would be valuable to the listeners is the business aspect of being a drone pilot. I think a lot of people think it's more of a hobby and they're more, toys at, at, at this point sometimes with with you go to best buy and they're everywhere and easy to pick up so you know let's start with the, that initial question is of how how do you differentiate yourself as a professional drone pilot versus a hobbyist who's just picking up like you know a mavic air i guess i i mean that's yeah. kind of like the 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 entry point at the, at this point, um, how do you, when somebody, so many people can get a drone for a reasonable cost that shoot 4k shoot fantastic photos. I mean, how do you do it as a professional when everybody can have a drone now? Oh, hundred percent. And, 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 and what's, what's, what's odd to think is that I, and it's funny because you keep saying professional, I actually just like hate the word because the reason <laughs> yeah. I say that is like, it's like, there's so much, like, what does that mean? It's a like, little snooty. People, I get it. I get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and, I've not, and I never will like, what would ever like call myself that because in, in a way, because it's just, it's just what you do with it. Right. Cause like, I, you know, when people go like, what makes you a professional? Oh, well that means, you know, it's, you make money with it. Well, I mean, what if you make a hundred bucks? Is that a professional? Well, no, it means, it means uh, that that's your primary. Well, I guarantee you 90% of people out there that are photographers, that's not their primary, right? They still probably do it on the side. Uh, So, but they can still be a professional, right? So I think when you bundle that word up, it makes it more intimidating for a lot of people. Like I always never call myself like I'm a pro anything, all I say is that I document life or I document things. Yeah. Right. I, I just say I shoot, I shoot stuff with cameras. I, I shoot stuff, right? <laughs> I shoot stuff with and cameras. And yeah. So when it comes to that, 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 that word, sorry, that's just, it's just the, you know, that, that, that like meaning behind it because anyone, there's professional iPhoneographers, right? There's professional everything. But when it comes to the drones, I don't look at it any different of creating a business around the drone than I do if you were to start a business as a regular photographer, which I was prior to that. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I was doing regular land photography, we'll say I was doing everything from weddings, newborns, family shoots. Uh, I had my own, you know, a whole separate company uh, called from this day forth that would just focus on family shoots. And I was, it was crazy when I had my kid, I was doing literally newborn photography for a year. Um, but for drone stuff, I think it's just the same way, right? How do you, how do you pick, you know, and how do you want to start a business around that one thing and be really good at it? And I think that's what people realize is like, yes, anyone can pick up a drone. It could have 4k, but it doesn't matter unless you kind of, you know, uh, I would say polish up one 
aspect of that. So say real estate, if you want to be a really good real estate photographer, you know, then you don't really need to go out there and shoot a bunch of other stuff. Just focus on the real estate portion of it. And your drone business can, can, can build around, around the real estate. Right. And, and instead of trying to be the, you know, the jack of all trades and I could do everything. And, and I think that's the best way, not just drone photography, but I mean, any, any business, any photography, any creative space is that you really have to just pick one thing first and be really, really good at it. And then kind of branch out from there is kind of what, what I like to do. So for me, it was more of when I was getting into drone photography, I would do a lot of landscapes. I would do a lot of, cause it was the easiest thing, but I would change it up and do panoramic landscapes. I would do vertical panoramics. I would change it up and, and try to find something unique that anyone that had a camera, you don't necessarily can do it yet. Right. You can, you can try to do it, but then I would do the panoramics and people go, how did you shoot that? And I go, well, this is my technique. And I used to, it's actually in my, my book. Actually, people used to call it like the flight path method because I was doing panoramics before panoramics were automated. Right now that you hit a button, it'll go. But it's funny is that I was one of the beta testers on the inspire one when they first implemented that feature because they really wanted to, and not because of me, but they, they knew I shot a lot of panoramics and that was like my main thing. So my, when I launched a book in 2015, it was almost all panoramics. So yeah, you can get a drone, you can get a shot, but what, what are you going to do different? Yeah. Right. And that's, I think that's what you apart? have to do. How are you going to set yourself apart? So anything you do, same with photography, same with everything is just, what is going to be that one thing that you can be really, like I said, separate, separate yourself apart from just be good at that market yourself around that. And then branch out. Yeah, It's very hard to do everything. It, it so, really is. And that's such a good point. And I think it, it's a lesson that just about every creative professional learns at some point. Because when you're just getting started, you are kind of like a, a jack of all trades. You, you're trying to yeah. do everything, which means you're going to be kind of mediocre at everything. Right. And you got I, a lot I, of business coming in and you're, you're staying busy. But you could really maximize your profitability and your time when you start to focus on one thing. And you eventually find that out, but that's such yeah. a good point, how focusing on one thing, being really good at that is going to be better in the long run. Um, what's your, what I got to ask as <laughs> I, I'm not going to say as a professional drone pilot, but yeah, um, no, at, no, at, as a drone pilot, what is your, what is your daily I, I drone for every occasion. I get that for every job, but what is the daily, the daily drone? You know, the one that stays in the um, camera bag right now, right now it's the air two S the, wow. the latest and greatest. Awesome. Uh, yeah. the Mavic two pro is definitely right there behind it still. Um, but, um, I, if, if it's a daily for sure, it'll probably be the air two S. And then if I know like, Hey, I have X amount of time, I can, I can bring my, my case out with me charge up a few batteries and, uh, and then bring out the, the Mavic two pro. Very cool. So you mentioned, you mentioned the book and let's talk about different revenue streams as a drone pilot. Like if you want to pursue being a drone pilot as your full-time business. So there's, there's shooting photos, there's shooting videos, there's working, working with clients. And there's a variety of things you could do without, right? Like real yeah. estate or working for a marketing company and being their go-to drone guys working. Um, I've done work for production companies where they have everybody, they have a camera operator, but they need a drone operator. So I've done that. That That's also a way, but you mentioned the book. 
So tell me about the book and how that was a natural extension for you being a drone pilot, but also launching a book. I would love to hear the work that went into that. Yeah, that was actually, that was probably the biggest purpose I would say. And I think that everyone like that does or has something in the creative space, whether it's a photography or any video or something like that, you kind of want to put yourself in a place of that keeps you motivated. So for me, when I was in photography a lot more uh, earlier, or as far as land photography goes, uh, there's a few people I would look up to locally. There's the, the Aaron Changs. So if you're local San Diego, you know about, you know, surf uh, legend photographer, Aaron Chang here in San Diego, but then you have people like Clark Little up in, up in, uh, in Hawaii. So people like that, I would, I would watch because they, they were photographers, but they ran a business. And I was, I would always look at those people and go, what, what are they doing? Like what, and how do I do that? Right. Cause I was looking at them as going, okay, well, they're a photographer. I'm a photographer. What are they doing differently? And then how are they running the business? What are the things they're offering and, uh, and, and what makes it more sustainable? Right. Um, so the book came about that Aaron Chang had a book, Clark Little had a book. <clears throat> and I said, I'm going to use my photography. And the one thing I want as my bucket list thing is to, to, to publish my own book because I had their book sitting on my coffee table and I said, I want, I want my own book. Right. So that was the biggest motivation as far as like the aerial part is I had like an end goal. And I think that's what made it more, uh, more real for me. And, and, uh, so, and been being a designer, I designed my own book. I, uh, you know, laid it all out myself. Uh, all the photos are mine, copyrights mine. The only thing, of course, I can't do is um, manufacture it. So I had to go outsource the manufacturing. But it was one of those things where back then when, you know, who was making a hardcover book? Nobody. You know, who was making a coffee table book? Nobody. Except for those people that are already were already up there, right? The people already, the people looked up to those people. Aaron Chang has galleries here in Solana and all, you know, so like, you're like, what are they doing? And then what is that thing that people are, are taking away from them? They might not buy their artwork yet, but they'll buy a, they'll buy a book. Right. And I didn't buy, I didn't buy a Clark little, you know, uh, large format print, but I bought his book. And I was like, that's the, that's the one thing I wanted right there was to be able at least to share my photography that everyone can have that it just sits there on your coffee table. So that's where it came from. It was like, I shot a ton of stuff in 2013, 14, 2015, I said, okay, this is my goal for it's to compile all of that and, uh, and make myself a book and which, which it, it, it was, it was just a, a bucket list thing for me, which is awesome. Yeah. And it's a great looking book, the layout and everything. I'm sure a lot of work went into it is absolutely amazing. Um, what I would love to hear lessons learned along that process. Uh, was it, oh, yeah. uh, let's say, was it, was was it easy? Was it hard? Did you expect it? Oh, what was man. your expectations going into making the book? Same thing. Like you're looking at the time frame, right? Time frame 2015. Not still not much about, you know, transparency behind these things. So mm -hmm. where do you go? What do you do? Who do you contact? What do you buy? Uh, uh, all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of shots in the dark uh, of, of getting that book done. And, you know, ended up finding a random printer on Facebook and did a little bit of research on it and barely found any information on it. But I gave him a shot and was in contact with them. 
and they basically are the the middle the middle person between you and the manufacturer in China, right? Because if you want to make a book here in the states, it's ridiculous. If I were to make a, a, a eighty page book or a sixty page book here, it'll cost you just about that same amount of money. It'll cost you like sixty bucks to make one book. So then you find out like, okay, well, how am I going to do? How do I make it affordable for people to actually buy the book? Well, you have to at that point and probably still up to now, you have to get it done uh, overseas. And then, so you start, I started working with a middleman to go, well, what do I need? How many do I need to order? So there's a lot of things like that where you're just, you're taking a lot of chances. You take a lot of risk because it was so many variables, so many unknowns. And that was the hardest thing is being able to go, oh, well, yeah, it'll be X amount of money, but they need the money up front. You're like, I mean, I mean, what, do I send you money? Like, do I send, you know, what do I do? How do I know? Like, you know, because if, you, if you've ever ordered anything from overseas, it's like you have to, one, get a minimum. Yeah. You can't just order two books. No, I had to order a thousand. So how am I going to sell it? Do I, how, can I, do I even, I don't even have a thousand followers, right? <laughs> like if every one of my followers bought a book, I still wouldn't ha- have enough, right? So then, then you're just like, okay, what do I do? But at that point, it was like the, the cost was like order a thousand or get it done here and get like 50 books for the same amount of price. Wow. And you're like, okay, well, I'm going to take that shot. Right. So then once I, once I did that and then I ended up getting like a sample print, not of the book, they send you like proofs. So they'll send you like the actual printouts, big sheet. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, this is starting to be real. And is that the, the um, actual like paper they'll, they'll use? The paper too, so that, to, yeah. Cool. Yeah, there's so many factors, you know, the type of paper, what type of binding do you want? What thickness of paper? What's, you know, the, the outer bound? What do you, mm-hmm. what do you want? Do you want it? To, I mean, you learn so much uh, doing it, but it was, a, it was the most satisfying thing I think you could ever do. And that's what I said. Like I said, I'm, I'm a big process behind the scenes person. So that process is what's more satisfying than the book yeah. because you did it. That's right? awesome. And I think that's what makes it really, really fun. As, as a professional creative and, and a drone pilot, I use that word again, professional, sorry. Oh, no, no. <laughs> um, I like professional creative. There you go. That works. There we go. Because that, that's just um, a little umbrella for everything. It, you start to realize how important multiple revenues, revenue streams are. Yeah. Because you're, you're an entrepreneur. You're, you're a creative entrepreneur. And um, you need multiple rev- revenue streams because you, you're not relying just on one single paycheck. So... Right. You got the YouTube channel, you do yeah. drone work, you got the book. Let's talk about a recent development. You've launched your own, well, I mean, the book was a physical product, but you also launched another yeah. physical project uh, product that was aimed at the drone community. And it was yeah. a drone carrying case. And it's it's a good looking case. So um, I would love to hear why why a drone case? Because there are so many, you know, let's say just, cheap yeah. options on, on Amazon. Um, so what, what work went into that and, and why did you land on a drone case and why a drone case specifically for the Mavic air and mm-hmm. air two S and not another drone? Yeah, no, great question. Um, being that I already had that somewhat experience of having a product was one, was one thing under my belt. Um, understanding how that whole process works and then when it came to the case, everyone would always 
already asked me before, like, why don't you just have your own products? And I said, well, I work with so many people that I don't, I didn't feel like I wanted to at that, at that point. And I still don't really want to yet. Like there's so many things I'd like to do, but you know, I, I work with so many great companies, so many people. And I go, well, I like, I like what they do. And, and when I found myself using my drones, I also found myself going, like, how do I transport it? What am I doing with it? How am I using it? And then it said, okay, well, yeah, I have the bigger cases. I have the hard cases, but I don't normally, I don't carry those around. That's not a daily carry. And then you look for smaller options and yeah, they sell clamshells. They sell uh, some other, you know, types of cases out there. And then I said, okay, well, I have a bunch of clamshells now. And the clamshells are really cool because they're they're molded as the drone, right? So it fits perfectly in there. I go, great. And then the next drone comes out and I said, okay, well, that clamshell, I'm not going to use that anymore, right? Um, and I said, okay, well, I just want something. If I have a regular backpack, how, what can I carry my drone in that gives it some sort of protection that can carry my stuff? Um all weather, you know, really good material, but then it's, it's universal enough that I can, I don't, I don't feel like I wasted my money on something that's so specific. Right. And I said, okay, well, I'll just look for a bag. And you start looking for bags out there and yeah, there's a bunch of kind of drone bags, but then they're made to carry the drone and the remote and this. So then they end up being kind of bigger. And I go, well, I, you know, when I, when I configure my backpack, I'm always like, I just want to grab that and that and kind of like, Tetris this thing back in here, right? Like, but and if you, so if you have like a bigger case, you're like, you're like, that takes up the whole spot. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to, I want like a padded soft case that just enough protection. It's not really meant to just carry it by itself. Like I'm not going to dangle it around all the time, but it's enough protection that you can grab it and throw it in your bag, grab the remote, throw it in your bag and then go and not feel like it's going to get, the props are getting, you know, messed up and, you know, things are getting banged around just enough protection that, that it, 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 it does. And I said, okay, who has that? Like, I'm like, there's a gap, right? There's, and for me being user, user experience person, I'm like, you find the issue, you find the gaps, you find the, the, where the problem is or where you find those things that like, what are some solutions for those things? And that's kind of where it came about. I was like, there's a gap there. I'm not, it's not, it's a, it, I'm not competing with hard cases. I'm not competing with these bigger other cases, right? I'm not competing with any real companies. I mean, yeah, there's some companies that have some soft pouches or anything like that, but that they see is more universal. But I said, that wasn't their focus. That's more of like an accessory to them. So that's kind of where it came from. I said, well, if I'm going to make something, then I'll make something that I feel like is the most useful. It'll reach the most people and it's the most universal, right? Because I don't just carry my drone on it. Now it's like, I'll throw all my action camera gear in one and then throw my tripods in the other one. And now I literally have like four in my bag and it's not for my bag. Cause it's mine. It's because that's what I, that's what you use. Right? You yeah. use a bunch of pouches. So that's kind of where it came from. And it's just like, um, that's kind of where it started at least. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, how, what kind of process did you have to go through? Did you go through multiple, uh, designs for the bag? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, when I released the bag, I do release a video of it and I went through, basically a bunch, we sketched out a bunch, uh, went through a few different materials or a ton of different materials, actually. I really wanted like a neoprene at first. Uh, so if, neoprene is basically like, like wetsuit material, mm -hmm. if, if people don't know. Um, and then I, try, so I got uh, some samples of neoprene ones 
And then I found it just, uh, just kind of just too loosey goosey, not really, you know, and then you'd have to put like a Velcro on it and then it would be, all right, let me try something else. And then I went through like a few different iterations of like a zippered one, uh, a, a, you know, a, a kind of like a, a button style and it just kept going. So in that video I made, I probably have about, I think about 15 different types of iterations that we went through and it just kept progressing and progressing and progressing over time. I got a couple done overseas as well, just because for the sake of like, okay, well, if I'm going to mass produce these, then, um, you know, I got to look into that too, right? Just yeah. what are my options? But, it, but uh, luckily enough, like I have a really good friend here in San Diego that actually uh, has his own bag company. And he was actually the one that kind of pushed me to do it. But at the same time, I was like, no, man, you do your thing. And I'll hit you up if, you know, if I can kind of really come to a conclusion of what I want to do. Um, so finally, I got to the point where it's like I did all these iterations and I, and I hit him up. And I'm like, hey, I'm close to where I think I might be. Like, can you just help me get over that next, that, that final step? And, uh, and he got me, you know, linked up with his manufacturer. And, and we went from there. And, it, and yeah, and so from the same thing, the whole process again, making it, iterating on it, looking at the materials. Why do we, why do we want to use this? How do we change up the zippers? What type of pouches do we need? All those like little things kept going, kept going, kept going. And I think that's, a, that's a, again, the fun part about it. It's like you're seeing your product just evolve over time. And that, that whole process, again, is what is way more rewarding than yeah. me going, I'm going to sell 100,000 bags. Like, I don't care what I sold at that point. Like, just like the book. Yeah. You know? I think so, yeah, it was fun. That is such an interesting uh, revenue stream as a creative professional, a creative entrepreneur. And I think yeah. it's a natural one, too. A lot are considering because as yeah. a professional creative, you – you test a lot of products, you use a lot of products, a lot of gear, and you start to see uh, what you like in them and what you don't like. And because you're yeah. the one out there using them all the time, it just seems like a very natural step to take as a creative to launch your own product where you see a need yeah. and a gap because no one's, you know, really tackling that area or that need. And so as a creative professional, you know exactly what that need is and you can roll out that product. And it just seems, it seems very, a very natural, natural progression as a creative. I think we're going to see a lot of people start doing that. Not, you know, there's, yeah. there's the digital courses, there's the, the, sure. the gear, the hats, and then, and the t-shirts and the swag and all that, but actual physical yeah. product, I think is, is very interesting. Kind of like what, you know, Pat, Pat Flynn did, um, and Caleb, uh, Walljack with, the uh, with the switch pod, is amazing. They saw a need, they rolled that out. And a lot of creatives are doing that. And it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And I can't wait to see how the, the creator economy starts to develop out yeah. of just the digital realm and into more of the physical realm. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be really, really cool. Um, so as yeah. a drone pilot, you know, for someone that wants to, you know, pick up a drone and start maybe pursuing it as their business, what advice do you have for them after, you know, being a, a seasoned pro at it at this point for doing it for so long uh, and working with tons of brands and tons of clients and um, you've worked with new stations, you have your photos up all around San Diego. So what advice do you have for someone that's just starting out? I mean, if, if you're talking about drone specific, get it up in the air, practice with it, have fun with it. I think um, 
the biggest difference or the biggest change is when you find something that just you really enjoy, right? Um, like, don't I wouldn't say just buy it. Just if you if you just want to do one thing, which is great. I mean, if you already have, if you already know, like I just want to do real estate, you know, drone photography, and I want to focus on that. Cool, perfect. If you don't know, but you know you want to be in the space, I would say definitely pick one up and and try different things with it. Try photography and seeing where that, what you get out of it, right? I think at the end of the day, it's all, it's mostly what are you getting out of it? Because I don't make the book, I don't make the bag for the sake of the money. Like it was never about the money. It was, it was, did I do something? And was the outcome satisfying to me and possibly to somebody else? I think if you look at it that way first, then it's, then, that's where stuff will organically start to happen. If you just do stuff and go, oh my God, I'm going to buy a drone. I'm going to do real estate photography on the weekends. I'm going to make 500 bucks a shoot. And then it's going to be great. It, it hurts that way because you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. And it doesn't work out that way, people. It doesn't work out that way. way. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't know if you're going to be good at it, right? So I think, and then what do you get? At? I mean, like I know a lot of wedding photographers that are like, I love the wedding photography for the money, but they hate doing the wedding. Right. And, and I've done weddings and I get it. Those 14 hour days are the hardest days ever. Um, but people love it. Right. So I think you just have to like, when you buy the drone, if you have already an idea of what you want to do with it, great. If you don't enjoy it, it could be landscape photography. It could be documentation. It could be real estate. Um, or you can get into something like agriculture, scanning, yeah, there's the, uh, be a specialist in those areas. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to like the possibilities of the drone, you know, income or, or revenues, it could be anything. Yeah. It, it could literally be anything. And I think that's, uh, that's what's great about it is that, you know, you don't, you don't have, you're not competing with anybody besides how good are you making your stuff stand out from everyone else? And I think and that's, that's the same with YouTube, right? Yeah, I think that's the, that's the key point right there. I mean, finding which direction you're going to go with it is a very it, it happens naturally. Um, yeah. But what you really need to focus on, and you and you nailed it, is focus on the dr- how to fly. F- focus on your skills, and that's what's going to set you apart. You can take a picture, but if you don't know how to do composition, your picture is yeah. not going to be great. You can hit record, but if you can't you know, if you can't get those buttery movements and everything's really jittery, yeah. it's not going to be good. So focus on, focus on the process, right? I think, yeah. I think that's the key takeaway of what I got from what you, what you just shared is focus on the process, focus on being as good as you possibly can be. And right. that, that, that niche is going to, is going to come naturally. It'll come naturally. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, Aldrin, it's been great having you on the show. It was great getting to know you and learn about your your process and really the the entrepreneurship side of creativity and being a drone pilot and not just, you know, I, I've been doing the show for a year. We talk a lot about the creative process, but there's also the business process. I think a lot of people yeah. are curious about, especially as more and more people uh, look at being a creative as an actual profession. So thanks for sharing. Thanks for coming on the show. If people want to follow along with your journey, your YouTube channel, what are all the things on all the things? Yeah. I mean, uh, Instagram, just my first name. So Instagram, uh, for slash Aldrin, A L D R Y N on YouTube. It's flight path F L Y T P A T H, uh, as well as on Facebook. Um, but those are probably my two main ones or on Twitter. I'm on there every once in a while. Um, 
uh, my handle is Ace. So A-C-E. I got lucky on that one when nice. Twitter first came out. So, nice. um, but yeah, those are probably, I said, I say where I'm, you'll probably see me the most, uh, YouTube and Instagram. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sean. Well, all of Aldrin's socials will be linked down in the description of the video and in the show notes of the podcast, of course. And go check out his book. Check out the bag if you're looking for an awesome bag for your drone. Definitely check out his channel if you are interested in drones at all, whether it's the process on how to shoot better, how to take better videos, or if you're just looking to purchase your first drone. There's a ton of great reviews that he goes really in-depth with, so a lot of information found on his YouTube channel. I highly recommend checking it out. And if you guys want to support the podcast, down in the show notes of the podcast and in the description of the video, there's the Buy Me a Coffee. I love me a coffee, so you can support the show that way. As always, don't forget to hit the like button if you're watching on YouTube. Leave a five-star rating if you're listening in the Apple Podcast Player, and I appreciate you guys listening each and every week. I'll talk to you guys next week.